0: Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of the First and Orange podcast here at the Denver Post. I am sports writer Rhino Allerin. He is sports writer Kyle Newman, losing his voice. So I'm taking over some of these hosting duties. We got a couple things to cover on this episode. And first, coaching staff. Not a lot of guys are coming back, a lot of guys are coming in. We'll look at the Super Bowl from Sunday. Von Miller's impact on the Rams win over Cincinnati. Uh, we'll talk about what's next for the Broncos two weeks from the combine. And we'll go over some of the, the local kids who are headed to the combine in Indianapolis. I think it's a larger group than normal. So we'll sort of uh, you know get, uh, present our takes on those guys. So let's start off with um, the coaching staff. They've added, frankly, I've lost count. I mean, 12, 13 people. You know, the, the key takeaway right now for me is they, they just have kept three people, uh, two position coaches, receivers, Zach Azani, Christian Parker, defensive backs. Parker coached in Green Bay two years ago when Nathaniel Hacker was on the Packers staff. So there's a connection. I thought that was going to happen all along. And then Azani, he obviously is a good coach. Uh, he, this will be his third head coach. He's worked under for the Broncos, his fourth offensive coordinator. And so those are the two, two guys coming back. Um, uh, Kyle, they hired seven guys officially on Monday night, and uh, did any of those guys jump off the page for you?
1: Yeah, I think Ryan, Dom Capers obviously immediately stands out. I mean, what, 35 years in the NFL, obviously, you know, you hear Dom Capers blitz, like this guy is into the lexicon of the league. So obviously he's a he's a big time name, but then outside of that, you know, like you were saying, A lot of inexperience, a lot of youth on this staff, especially compared with the Graybeard staff of Coach Vic Fangio, and a lot of guys who um, just don't really have a a very long resume in this league, but some connections to Coach Nathaniel Hackett, that's obviously helped some of them, and obviously Coach Hackett trying to go young and a, a more experimental, I guess, approach with this coaching staff as opposed to taken the, the seasoned veterans and the guys who have been around the block a few times, but Dom Capers, he's been about around the block multiple times. So hired as a senior defensive assistant, he'll bring a lot of experience to the staff where it's, it's largely lacking Ryan.
0: Yeah. And just to hit, hit, uh, touch on Capers, he's a, you know, he, he worked for Vic Fangio with Vic in new Orleans. He hired Vic as a coordinator in Houston and Carolina. So He's familiar with Fangio's defense, which I'm told is uh, they're basically going to run a lot of the same stuff, so that helps. But, you know, this is, a, this is a young staff in terms of NFL experience, so two things on that. One, Hackett is clearly looking for guys who can teach young players, who just don't make any assumptions, who are willing to grind, grind, grind. Secondly is to match that greenness, to make up a word, they have added some guys with some notches on their belt. Capers is one. Tyrone Wheatley, the running backs coach, former NFL player, he has not been announced as of uh, Tuesday at 1 o'clock. He's worked with Hackett at three other stops, Syracuse, the Bills, and the Jaguars. He's been around. And then on special teams, i like to, I like to hire Mike Mallory. Uh, I covered Mike when he was the special teams coordinator in Jacksonville. He's been in this league for... Uh, nearly 15 years, been coaching for more than three decades. So he'll help the first time, uh, special teams corner when that's announced. So it's, uh, it's a staff that it's going to be fascinating to see a, how many coaches actually are on the staff? Will it be like 18 or 20? And two is what will they be like on the practice field? We'll, we'll get a close-up view of that starting in OTAs, you know, is it, is it a vocal group? Is it a, you know, uh, Is it a group that really stresses the fundamentals and details, which, quite frankly, the Broncos probably need. So interesting so far. Um, What surprises me is that all three coordinators are going to be the first time doing their job. I thought Hackett may go a veteran, especially on defense. He obviously believes in Evro coming over from the Rams. So uh, I think we have a lot of hires to cover coming up. But before we started taping this podcast, the Broncos hired, a uh, an assistant coach who's going to have the title of instructional designer, John Vieira. And I think he's just going to be a support staff for the coach and, and, and for the coaching staff and provide direction for them. So as I tweeted out, then times be a change. So uh, it's, uh, you know, w- we'll see what, how it works out, but it's definitely interesting. Um,
1: and then Ryan, what do you make of, Justin Alton as the offensive coordinator, Ejiro Evero coming over from the Rams as the soon-to-be announced yet-to-be named defensive coordinator. You mentioned both those guys first-time coordinators, but are Alton and Evero are those considered updates or upgrades in your mind over Pat Shermer and Vic Fangio?
0: Well, it, on Alton, it's tough to say because he won't be the play caller, but you know he, he is familiar with the system. And what Nathaniel Hackett's going to find out is, yes, he's the play caller. Yes, he's the head coach. There's going to be a lot of things taking him away from football. And that's part of being a head coach. So he's going to have to lean on out to be that coordinator, to run the installs, et cetera. Everett has worked for some of the best coordinators in football. Bonnie Kiffin, Dom Capers, Vic Fangio, Wade Phillips, Brandon Staley. So a lot of things accumulated in his playbook. And one thing I asked Evro last week on a Super Bowl Zoom was, you know, what uh you know, what'd you take from these guys? And he said Vic, it was about preparation, details, about and then I think the key point for Bronco fans, what he learned from Staley, who was here in 2019, sort of putting a college twist on it with some of the different things he put into the system. And I don't want to say modernized it, but maybe just added some new layers to it. So I'm interested to I'm interested to see what Evro says when he gets here about just how much is he going to change the terminology? You know, what what how does he think he's gonna be different? And then we didn't mention the special teams coordinator. The presumptive one is Dwayne Stukes, who's the assistant special teams guy with the Rams. So he's you know, they won their Super Bowl. So he worked under Joe T. who Bronco fans are obviously familiar with from the, the last Super Bowl team. So what I like about the staff at the coordinator level is they've worked under people that are really good. And Now it's time for them. This is a hell of an opportunity. Now it's time for them to translate all that knowledge into running their own shop.
1: Joe T. Camillus, the Arvada graduate, so local guy there.
0: Um, Moving to the Super Bowl, you wrote about Von Miller, and we didn't have the Denver Post jinx. Uh, He was the main story in Sunday sports section. What did you make of Vaughn's game in the Super Bowl, and, and where do you think he ends up next?
1: Well, Bradley Chubb predicted two sacks for that Super Bowl story you just related right. to, I all about and Von Miller came through with two sacks, which was you know pretty astounding. So uh, Von Miller, his Super Bowl sacks, I think four and a half now he's got, so that he's up there on the all time list. And I mean, he played big in a big game. Now, granted, um, he had Aaron Donald, a generational player, helping him out, creating pressure on the inside, just as we saw in that final decisive play of the game for the Bengals when Donald got to Burrow, but. Boy, that Cincinnati offensive line is just putrid, Ryan. I mean, if you can make the Super Bowl with that team, you got a good chance of going forward here if the Bengals can address that. Uh, as for Vaughn, you know, there's there's been a lot of talk. Will he, will he end up back in Denver? Obviously, he's a free agent now. I'm going to bet that he doesn't end up in Denver, but um, I'm not sure if it's L.A. either. I think he'll go to where maybe the fit to win is right and, and try and chase another ring. We talked about this last week, you know, DeMarcus Ware coming over his fat last three seasons playing for the Broncos, getting that ring. Well, Von Miller's now got two rings. Uh, his Canton resume is pretty solid. We're talking maybe first ballot at this point, but he pretty much solidified Canton on Sunday if it are, if it wasn't already. Now, where he ends up in 2022, anybody's guess, but I don't think it'll be Denver.
0: Yeah, I don't think so either. I think that ship has sailed. Uh, and I think, I think Miller faces two choices. He's made he's made over 100 million dollars in this league. Some team out there with cap space that's not very good is going to offer him a big money deal. Yep, maybe three years, 60 million, three years, 45 million. His decision is going to be: do I take the cash, or do I go somewhere and pursue a third championship? I think the best situation for him, and you mentioned it, playing alongside Aaron Donald, that's the best situation for Von Miller. Um, staying with the Rams. They can use some cap gymnastics to make that work, Uh, and and he can just he just can feast on individual matchups while teams present so much attention. And let's face it, Aaron Donald's going to play next year. This retirement talk to me that's a ploy to say I want more money, I want the contract redone. So um, if I had to make a prediction on Miller, I think he resigns with the Rams.
1: So Miller, ten and a half sacks in his playoff career now, four and a half in the Super Bowl. Course, we'll be tracking his offseason movement denverpost.com slash broncos.
0: Last thing on Miller is I've always, and I think I said this last week, uh, you know, being a, you know, chasing rings is fine with me because that's what you play for is championships, but he's got two right now. So I think if, if you're him, I think you start thinking more about your legacy, and that means more sacks, more wins, so staying put. You know, staying with what you know with Raheem Morris as the coordinator, Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, you know, a secondary that knows how to sh- shut teams down. So that's you know, sort of just to make my last point on that. But um, we'll move back to the Broncos real quickly. Uh, we're two weeks from the combine in Indianapolis after a, a year's absence. So everybody, in, in scouts and coaches, will be there. Let's okay, quarterback number one. Let's just establish that. We don't need to talk about that just yet. We've talked about it enough. If you're looking at the depth chart, Kyle, what is the second biggest priority for George Payton to address in free agency or the trade market?
1: I think it's got to be outside linebacker. I yep. mean, you got Bradley Chubb, of course, but he's been injured the last couple years. Malik Reed is a restricted free agent. Vaughn's probably not coming back, as we discussed. So. I think you need more depth there. I mean, they kind of hodgepodge at this season with Stephen Weatherly, you know, kind of fortifying there. Obviously, you got Jonathan Cooper, who's a who's coming off a really good rookie season. There's a lot of promise him for going forward. But you need some more pass rush, more consistent pass rush, especially considering some of the injuries they've had there at that position last few years. They, I think that's where they really need to bolster up. And then, hey, offensive line, I know they've spent some draft capital on that in the past couple years. They've used some free agency moves, but there's going to be a position or two, I think, that needs to be addressed there, especially perhaps at right tackle.
0: Yeah, I'll touch on quarterback real quick. To me, it's still all about Aaron Rodgers until I'm told that that's not happening. Um, I think Green Bay's play on Sunday by saying, you know, by leaking, hey, they're going to offer him a two-year extension. To me, that was a Hail Mary. Uh, they're trying to get the public opinion on their side saying, look, we did everything we d- we could. He did not want to play here anymore. <laughs> um, so I think Rogers will see right through that. But what, I, what I'll tell the listeners and, and, the, and the readers, obviously, is the thing about Rogers is every time he speaks publicly, you can parse his words both ways. Well, that was a goodbye speech. Oh, he's excited to come back. So we're not, not going to know until there's, a trade or a re-signing. I think he's going to play. I think it's going to be the Broncos or the Packers. But you mentioned outside linebacker. I got that number two on my list. Bradley Chubb. Yeah, he's a leader. He's a captain. He can't stay healthy. He had no sacks in seven games last year. Even he said after the season, his, was his worst year. So I don't know how much the Broncos can count on uh, to be that ten, twelve sack guy. So I think they got to address that. in if I if I had to advise the Broncos, which I do often, even if you get a quarterback, I, you got to create some cap space to get a pass rusher. I think Hassan Reddick from Carolina, who was on a prove it deal this past year, proved it. I think he'd be a good guy. Jonathan Cooper has potential. He hit a, he hit a wall in the second half of the season. He, you know, and his production went down. And Malik Reed is a worker bee. So I think I think that has to be addressed. And right tackle has been a mess for the last six years it's a different guy each year i think i think that's got to be a draft priority get a young guy there coach him up and, and try and solidify that spot so you're not trying to put rubber cement on it each year so
1: you and don't the, think they you don't think they bring bobby massey back then
0: um i think i think he he, he would be a plan b or c uh you know he, i think he he was he was better as a, he was he was better as a run blocker by far than as than as a pass protection and then the other position, it's not so much is inside linebacker, not so much that they're going to have to go address it. They just got to figure out what they're going to do in house. Josie Jewell, Alexander Johnson are both free agents. Baron Browning played well. Kenny Young played well before his concussion. Jonas Griffith played well. So do you, you know, what's the combination? I think the only one, you, the only combination you can rule out is Johnson and Jewel both, res, both resigning, um, so if I, if, if I had to advise uh, Peyton on this one, I would say resign Josie Jewell, pair him with Baron Browning. And uh, because you're going to need an experienced guy inside, even if it's mostly the same defense, it is a new coordinator with Evro. So uh, the, the bad part for Broncos is we could have listed a lot of positions. Uh, Nickel Corner didn't make our conversation. That's got to be a priority. So uh, I think it's going to be a busy offseason in terms of player acquisition, and that's obviously because of a new coaching staff, but also they just have a lot of needs. Uh, Just for the the listeners, just to lay out the next month or so, uh, March 1st, combine starts, free agency starts March 16th. If the Broncos acquire Aaron Rodgers in a trade, it will be leaked out well before March 16th. That's when it it can become official. That's when the Broncos can talk about it. So uh, like last year with Stafford, uh, Goff, Wentz, blackout with the broncos three years ago these deals were made well ahead of the actual official date and then after that uh, early april the broncos can start their offseason program and then you got the draft and right now they got five picks in the top three rounds i don't think it'll end up that way but uh there are opportunities for this team to get better in the draft um uh, speaking of combine our last topic is going to be talking about some of the locals and i'm going to tee you up on these counts since you're probably familiar with a lot of them and i i don't remember these this many guys going in my few years here in denver but uh, one guy that's really jumped he had a great senior week is it pronounced muma
1: muma chad yep
0: chad muma from Lone Tree, played at Legend, played at Wyoming. Mel Kiper said he was probably the best the linebacker at the Senior role, and Jim Nagy, the director of that game, agreed on Twitter. To, uh, you know, tell me a little bit about Chad.
1: Yeah, Chad Muma. Shout out Legend Titans. That's right down the road for me. So you know, he was a star for the Titans in his days there, and, and I feel pretty under recruited coming out of Colorado, coming out of Legend High School. Probably Colorado's poor football rep playing into that fact that he landed at Wyoming, but. You know, just like some of the under underrated guys who have gone to Wyoming and on to more prominence, Josh Allen on down, he made his most of the time with the Cowboys. And now, like you said, strong senior role performance. He's really got a lot of momentum heading into the combine. These other guys we on the list here, Max Borgie, Washington State slash Pomona. Before that, Noah Ellis, former Valor Christian star, went to Idaho. Trey McBride, Fort Morgan, and CSU, Nate Landman, CU, and Jordan Jackson Air Force. Borgie tied the Washington State record for total touchdowns in his career, so he had a prolific career on the Palouse. And, of course, before that, led Pomona to a state title, so he's a a local to watch. Also, Noah Ellis, as I mentioned, a linchpin on Valor Christian's defensive line during a couple of their titles. Trey McBride, former Class 3A star out of Fort Morgan. Oh, and now he is the uh, best collegiate tight end in the nation as awarded this past year. Already talked about Muma, Nate Landman, he was a linchpin on the CU Buffs defense when he was hurt a little bit this past year, the year before that, you could really tell. So, you know, I'm rooting for him as well. And then Jordan Jackson, the defensive lineman from Air Force. I
0: mean, I yeah, think McBride will be the first one drafted amongst that group. He may be the first tight end off the board. I think Combine is going to be big for Trey. And uh, you know, Borgie, teams are always looking for that kind of running back who has production. Ellis is interesting to me. He has the bloodlines. His dad played in the NFL. Uh, His dad coached him at Wyoming. Uh, Luther Ellis now is an assistant at Utah. And then uh, you mentioned Lamin, just massive, massive production. Jordan Jackson is interesting because I was researching all these guys. He was injured in 2020, which means that the Academy, he left school. He went back to Jacksonville, the hometown and drove Uber. Uh, He sort of got a year deferred, so he came back to the program here in 2021. Just one last question on this for you, since you have such a knowledge of preps, Borgie, Washington State, MUMA, Wyoming. Um, Why are these kids being allowed to leave the state?
1: It's a great question, Ryan. As I mentioned with MUMA I think he was just underrated and overlooked as a whole coming out of Legend. You know, if he had gone to Valor Christian, would it have been different? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, Legend wasn't quite a superpower when he was going there. I mean, they've gotten a lot better since then. But, yeah, I just overlooked, I think, on Muma's case. And then look at Max Borgie. And then Max Borgie, he originally had a ton of interest from CU early in his high, scre- high school career as he was coming onto the scene for Pomona. Suffers a knee injury and CU kind of cools the Jets. They kind of stop talking to him. Then he commits to Washington State, and then Stanford comes in late with an offer, and he has to kind of mull between Washington State and Stanford, where his idol Christian McCaffrey went. Does CU ever come back in and offer him? No, which was rather astounding. And Max Borgie he took some offense to that. I'll tell you that right now, that the prime in-state school just kind of cooled their jets on recruiting him, and then didn't come back after him after all. So. How are these top players leaving the state? That's a great question and one that certainly Carl Durrell at CU needs to address.
0: Yeah, and, I, and, and uh, you know, uh, Jay Norvell at CSU, the new coach there, he's got to, you know, there's, I mean, there's good players in the state. You just got to give them a shot and, and, and sort of overlook their, their classification, so to speak. And uh, You know, we'll have full coverage of these guys going into the draft. And one thing about these one thing about writing for the Denver Post, and, and you can attest to this, Kyle, when you go into like a baseball clubhouse of an opposing team of a guy who's from the area, they love talking about where they grew up, how they came to this point. So we'll have a lot of uh, draft coverage on these players over the next couple months, and uh, it'll be interesting to see where these guys go in the draft. So we uh, cover a lot of topics today. Next week, I'm on vacation. After that, hopefully that two weeks will give time for Kyle Newman's voice to recover.
1: And Aaron Rodgers to come to Denver, maybe?
0: Hope <laughs> oh. hey, hey, you know where I stand. Uh, and, and I got I, I, I wouldn't even get in the emails I get from fans, but whatever. So uh, so that's for Kyle Newman. I'm Ryan O'Halloran. This was First in podcast by the Denver Post. Follow us on Twitter. Read us DenverPost.com or the print edition. And for now, we'll see you next time.